Welcome to another edition of the Heron Outlet. She is Alex Winley. I am Ian Hest. And Alex, uh, another preseason game, this time behind closed doors, but was available for us to the media. Another Inter-Miami defeat as they start to get going in rhythm. And I want to start there, uh, but a lot to get to on this show. We'll we'll talk about the the preseason match that was earlier uh, last weekend uh, against St. Louis City in which Indy Vasilev made a big return. We'll talk about that in just a sec to Miami. Uh, we'll also talk about the defense and, and a lot of uh, new faces, some faces leaving, some faces coming in, and how that's going to get into the mix. And finally, where's Alejandro Pozuelo? Is he going to come in? Is he not? But let's start with that preseason game. Another defeat, 4-0 at the hands of St. Louis City SC. That's a little bit deceiving because... Uh, when, the, when the number ones were out there, it was only a 1-0 game. Two halves were played. 1-0 at the end of that portion of the scrimmage. Um, that goal coming off a really beautiful left-footed free kick uh, from about 25 yards out from Indy Vasilev, just just getting past Drake, uh, that, that gave St. Louis the, the 1-0 advantage. Then when the subs came in, and I want to get to them a little bit later, things sort of started to get a little chippier. There was a penalty very late that was given up uh, because of a handball in the box that led to the fourth goal. Um, so, some defensive miscues. But let's start with the starters. Um, w- we saw a little bit of a normal, uh, normal-ish lineup from Inter-Miami. Yedlin started at right back. Mabika and McVeigh were your two center backs. And Noah Allen was at left back, who performed very well. Let's start with him, and let's start with that back line, because it is going to look a little bit different. That's going to be a lot of what we talk about on today's show. That back line of Mabika and and McVeigh being the center points, how do you think that they interacted together to start in terms of that partnership that will be a possibility, will be used at times this upcoming season? Um, honestly, shaky at times, but um, yeah, and I, I don't wanna I don't wanna air them out too much, but Mabika, I think we were we were discussing it on the field there. I don't wanna call him out, but there were times where defensively, uh position wise, he was a little uh, you know, not in tune with the rest of the back line. And I, like I said, the entire team needed just to get a rhythm. But um, as far as the partnership goes, yes, Mabika was a little uh, stretched at times, but, um, and McVeigh, you know, he was there being steady and, and, and using his, um, his, his quickness and, and ball playing abilities a bit better than Mabika. Like we said, Mabika is still a young player and he's still growing, but, and maybe it was just the way St. Louis set up that kind of got Mabika out of the rhythm. But, you know, um, the, as far as the center back duo goes, Mabika um, was a little shaky at times, but like, um, like I just said, you know, he's still growing as a player, and you know, obviously, as the season comes comes through, and 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 they start to play, hopefully, he gets more of a rhythm, and, and all those uh, little uh, defensive uh, uh, miscues uh, go, uh, you know, gets out the way. Um, as far as the left back uh, and right back goes, um, yeah, I, I, we just published a piece on the Heron Outlet that uh, praised Noah Allen uh, quite heavily. You know, uh, we were talking about it on the sideline. You know, he looked really good, you know, compared to last season um, where, there I say, he was kind of thrown into the deep end. He he looks really good. You know, he, he was defensively sound. He went forward with, with vigor and, and and he was probably the single hand, single-handedly kept, uh, you know, Miami's offense going when there was a bit of a lull. Uh, you know, his crosses look good, you know, offensively, he, he attacked well, uh, defensively, like I said, he, he, he looked really good, honestly. And I know people came in, you know, Frank Negri, he's in now, uh, people think, you know, Negri is probably the bona fide starter and likely so, but I think Noah Allen does have a, a good case to 
maybe start as well. Honestly, he he looked really good, and I was very impressed. Uh, Yedlin, I will say too, him and Mobika, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think they work well together, Ian. I, I just feel like with Yedlin and his pace, technically sometimes he may not have the the te- just uh, like the technical skill to play. You know, like there are some passes where you know it was Robert Taylor playing as a right-sided uh, midfielder. Robert Taylor would make a, a run in behind, and it was a, a good run, but. Yedlin's first touch or his pass probably wasn't uh, as good enough to get to that overlapping midfielder. So, uh, you know, that right side of the the defense, Mabika and Yedlin, they didn't have a good uh, game. But like I said, for both Yedlin and Mabika, it could just be preseason jitters. And, you know, Yedlin went to the World Cup, so he's probably on a different schedule. And Mabika as well, he's still young and growing. So maybe it's just some things that they have to iron out. But as far as... um, McVeigh and 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 um, Noah Allen goes. They they both look really solid. That left side of the, the of the defense, assuming Negri starts, it, it does look good. But you know, it's all about you know that right hand side. You know, will Yedlin uh you know get back you know re- regain his form and Mabika will he get out of this rut that he's going on? But as far as the defense as a whole, like you said uh, earlier, Ian, um, the starters only gave up a goal through a set piece, so it wasn't through open play. Uh, the The first was it thirty minutes or, or so. They 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 managed to kind of stymie a lot of what St. Louis was doing. So it wasn't like you know the starters play the full ninety minutes. It was first thirty minutes. Starters, you know, they gave up a free a set piece goal. It wasn't through open play, but as far as you know, the game continued on. They started to grow into it, but um, yeah, that that left side of the defense, I, I was really pleased with, but the right hand side. Um, obviously, they have work to do. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that when you're talking about Mabika, and, and I think that that's probably where you have to, to start a lot of the conversation with it, he was on the right-hand side of, of the – he was the right center back, whereas opposed to last year, if you remember, Damian Lowe was on that right center back and, and Mabika or Saylor were the left center back. McVay, I think, being just that naturally left-sided player, uh, makes more sense to, to hold that left center back position. Uh, coming up this season, but no Ryan Saylor. So, so understandably, Ryan Saylor again missing, coming back from from a, a bit of a, a slow return coming off that injury that he had. Um, but but we expect to see him soon. We could see him as early as Sarasota, probably unlikely. Um, but but within the next few weeks, uh, the goal Phil continues to say is to have everybody healthy for the start of February 25th against Montreal. Um, and and there's nothing really that that has indicated that that anybody, whether it's Bryce Duke who's really probably the furthest one away um, or whether it's John Moto or whether it's Ryan Saylor, um, that, that, that will, uh, that, that will not be the case that all will be ready. Um, knock on wood for, for preseason. So you start there with the pairing with Mabika on the right-hand side and, and that being with Yedlin. The thing that I found most interesting about it was it, it almost was like falling into quicksand when, when they were trying to rotate out of the back, it was it was understandable that they were going to be patient, which was good because a lot of the time last year we saw just too many force balls. You saw those lo- like you know it would rotate one way and come back again, and if it wasn't there, let's just knock it long and try again, right? Yeah. You didn't see a lot of that uh, uh, on Saturday. What you did see was a stick to the style that that we're going to be patient, and and even though it's not as um, not as quick moving forward, it can be but they're going to be patient up until the moment that they feel ready to do so. There's, there's two ways of looking at that. The pro obviously is that they're going to have more possession this year. Um, they, they just naturally are going to have more of the ball, which is a good thing. Um, if they're able to do it with 
purpose and consistency in the right way. The, the natural, I guess, flip side to that coin is, especially when you have guys with speed out there, like an Ariel Lassiter, like a DeAndre Yedlin, it, it, some, it, it negates not all of it, but it does take away a little bit of what they're all able to offer. And, and it doesn't allow those release valves like Yedlin likes to do, where he gets that quick step on a, on a, whether it's a wing back or even, a, you know, a back four left back that where he's able to get that one step for the quick cross. He always likes to do that. And when he's sort of pocketed in next to Mabika there, the rotation was just a little slow and it didn't wind up getting right. That would be really my big knock on, on from a defensive standpoint, what they did. I thought from open play, they were very stalwart. They, they had a very nice offside trap that worked very well, I thought as well. And you mentioned Noah Allen. We're, we're going to talk a lot this year about balance. You're going to hear the word balance said time and time again from us, from Phil. We've talked about it nonstop on the pod last year about how much better that right side was than the left side for Inter-Miami last year. They are committed to that not being the case in 2023, that they want to be balanced. They want to be able to hit you from both sides. Um, it clearly was something that they wanted to address in the offseason, that they have addressed in the offseason, that they're looking to improve upon that to be multidimensional in that aspect. If you look at, at sort of the, the goal charts from crosses from open play, there's not a lot. There's about a handful of them. Uh, but almost all of them come from the right side in 2022. So they, they definitely want to be more balanced in that. Noah Allen definitely showed that, that there is the opportunity for him to be successful in that role. But regardless, systemically, they're going to want to use that, that left side. That's from the defensive standpoint. We do need – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. Quick touch, uh, touch on that, that Mabika Yedlin point. Yeah, you're, you're right that sometimes they want to go quickly. And I think that's part of the reason why that right hand side was so uh, kind of stagnant. You know, Yedlin wants to go play quick, but, you know, there are times where, you know, the team kind of slowed it down and, and went through their passing triangle. So, and then you, on the reverse side, you see Christopher McVeigh, McVeigh, who's very comfortable with his feet, you know, playing those quick passes to Noah Allen. And Noah Allen was re- very good to, Get onto that 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 uh, the touch uh, the sideline and, and drive towards the, the defense. So um, yeah, like you said, I think it's just them wanting to go quickly versus you know the right side versus the left hand side. The left hand side is a little little bit more better at that, I would say. Now there is a, a, a you know there is some medicine for that, and that comes in the role of Gregory and what he was playing um, on Saturday night. They went with the four four two diamond that we're used to that pinched in diamond. Gregory was the holding midfielder. On his right was Robert Taylor. On his left was Pizarro. And in and, and that, uh, that number 10 role was Coco. Um, and so we'll get to him in, in just a bit because that, that is an interesting test case right there, um, especially with Stefanelli coming into the second half and really performing very well. I want to talk about him too. But, but Gregory being in that role, what, what impressed me was his ability, and, and I saw it also against Vasco da Gama, his ability to slot in, not not at the same level as as McVeigh and Mabika, but just a little bit ahead, so that it's almost like a like an elongated triangle. He's playing in a defensive role that almost allows it for him to be the third center back, quote unquote, with a three at the back. That that allows Noah Allen and DeAndre Yedlin to get forward. So if him him being able to slot in right there, I don't know if he'll have Mota do that when Mota comes back. But Gregory very much naturally is able to do it. He looks very comfortable doing it. And again, that's where we talk about from open play. St. Louis was not able to really find those passing lanes through it because Gregory was there to stop the stop ball. 
And then you saw Mabika, and defensively, Mabika and McVeigh were able to handle the passing lanes uh, on that triangle, those diagonals that we're talking about. And it really was able to, sometimes when Inter Miami gets caught in transition, you wonder who's going to stop ball. And then if they can, if they can't get it, if they can't stop ball quick enough, who, like those outlet runs wide really have been able to stretch a slower defense that Inter Miami had last season. That wasn't necessarily the case against St. Louis, who wasn't particularly quick. But Inter Miami is very, very easily able to stop that with Gregory just stopping ball immediately. And then the two center backs able to, to hold off the passing lanes, which allowed everybody to regroup and, and really set themselves comfortably. I thought Gregory played very well in that role on Saturday. Yeah, and transition-wise, you know, um, um, this 4-3-1-2 uh, or 4-4-2 diamond, um, there's going to be a lot of bodies in the middle. So um, as far as them getting stretched like they did last season, I think they'll have more security with, like you said, the three at the back with Gregory, Chris McVay, or um, Christoph, or Mabika, Christoph will touch on later. Um, you know, they'll have bodies in the back to make sure those transition uh, um periods for the uh, opposition uh, doesn't happen. And like you said, we saw it against St. Louis a lot where Gregory was just there at the right time, stopping the counter. And if Gregory didn't get to it, Mabika and McVeigh were there. So as far as defense goes, they did improve regarding that. I know a lot of goals last season, uh, we saw them concede through transition uh, uh, opportunities for the, the opponent. So, um, you know, it's good to see them, uh, you know, slimy, uh, you know, uh, uh, work on that during preseason and kind of snuff that out before it, it becomes a bigger issue. Um, I, I want to touch on your point about Gregory or Mata. I, I don't know if, um, I don't know. I think uh, we've seen so many times uh, Phil Neville like prefer Mata in, in that, in that uh, deep lying six role. But I, 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 I you know, in, in this formation, I, I don't know. I think Greg, well, well, for one, let me say this. I'll say first uh, Mata and Gregory play really well together. So I, I think whatever, positions they take up they both need to be on the field together because it, it just works um I think with um this deep lying uh a number six here I, I have to go back and look at some formations and previous games I don't know if Mata has ever played in that Gregory role or, or if Neville put him higher and I have to double check but um you know like I said earlier there's enough numbers in this four four two diamond that you know I don't think it particularly matters if it's Gregory or Mata. I know in a four-three-three, yes, it would, or a four-two-three-one. You know, you know, you would want Gregory kind of pushing up a little bit more. But um, I think it. I, I know. I think it depends on which team they play. If they want to, uh, you know, if they're playing against a team that is sitting back and they need to unlock a uh, the defense. You know, I see Mata sitting deep and you know using his passing range to to hit those. But if it's a team that's going to have more possession than. Um, then Miami, then I can see Gregory playing as that six and, um, you know, kind of just cutting off the passing lanes and, and blocking everything going. So um, this is a good problem problem to have for Inter Miami. They have depth it's a, and right, it's a good problem. now. So, um, yeah, it depends. It really just depends. Well, and, and the reason that he puts Mota there is in, in the, the six is because is because of the transition offense. It's, it's that Mota is better at carry, yeah. that, those progressive carries that can quickly turn around and get them forward. Whereas Gregory, you know, once he gets it, he's looking for distribution. Uh, where Mota can, can sort of start your offense a little bit better. And so if you win the ball back, let's say, you know, in that middle third, Mota gives you the better option of turning that, that middle third into a positive third and, and progressing forward, keeping the defense at a time when they're, they're you know, organizationally vulnerable that it allows you the, the opportunity to, to catch a, a cheap goal, or not a cheap goal, but a quick goal on a counter. 
um, that, that maybe if you were to just win the ball back and restart your offense, you wouldn't be able to do. I do, though, think that we need to spend a lot of time uh, uh, talking about the offense. They have now played two preseason games against professional opponents, uh, one one against the college team that was a lot better, um, in which they did score uh, reportedly a couple, four, I think the, the report was. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen them against professional opponents very lackluster, to say the least. Um, it, uh, up top, it was Campana and it was Lassiter. You had Coco as the, as the 10, and you had uh, Pizarro as that left mid, and Robert Taylor as the right mid. Again, I, I go back to I've seen Pizarro as this left mid, and both times he doesn't look like he wants to play left mid. He looks like he wants to play center mid. And, and he, he just keeps cutting inside, cutting inside. It leaves this weird gap. And I, and I, get, I get his natural you know, tendencies – um, you know, he's, he's not going to chase back on defense, uh, no matter how many times you need him to. Um, and, and so I, I wonder if you just throw him at the 10, because that's the place to play him right now. Um, but, but, you know, there, there wasn't the link up play it, it, you know, even past Pizzato, Coco has little spurts of, of, you know, dribbling through the midfield where you go, okay, okay. I like this. I like this. And then where's the final touch? To, to make it productive, um, you, you know, Campana's still getting his legs under him. We talked about the slow play, maybe not playing to Lassiter's strengths. Um, and, you know, Robert Taylor didn't, mm-hmm. had, had an okay game. Uh, you know, not, not much of, you know, that's going to stand out to you and say wonderful, not much that's going to stand out and say poor. Uh, but, you know, I, I do have a little cause for concern that not only has there not been any goals, but there's, there's rarely been any, um, any real opportunities, any real quality chances that you go, oh, just missed there um, so far. And and this is something that as we've talked with Phil and, and we've talked with, with the forwards as they've come in, these these new signings, we talked to Stefanelli about it too, that they want to be an offensive-minded team. At least they're telling us that they want to be an offensive-minded team in 2023. And if they're going to be, they're going to need to start taking the next step because right now it doesn't look like they're close to being a, you know, 50, 60 goal team, 70 goal team is, does not look even remotely possible right now. So um, this team needs to find ways, not, you know, I I can't even get into finishing yet because they haven't created the chances to say is finishing an issue or not. We're really still at the point of where are we going to create more chances from to see, what the finishing looks like because the the chances haven't been created so far in, in the two games that we've witnessed. Yeah, and uh, that's a, a to your first point. I'll, I'll address Coco Jean. I think this experiment at at playing him as a ten needs to end. Honestly, uh, he's not. He's not. I'll even say he's not like Pizarro in the fact that he's going to maybe dribble through a couple of people. He he can find those pockets of space, but. You know, so many times during that St. Louis scrimmage, you know, he he found that space and then he passed it back. You know, he didn't go forward. He wasn't taking positive first touches into the the opponent's final third. So, um, you know, as far as him, Coco playing as a 10, I, I, you know, it needs to stop because we've (laughs) seen him against Vasco doing that. And 
now again, St. Louis is just not working, and he's basically I, I do want to jump in though. I trying to, to jump find in his him, way. Though. He looks confused. He looks confused. To, to just to just give him some credit though, I mean this this is a guy that we haven't seen barely any of. This is really his first. It's he's almost like a brand new player entering a system that that yeah. his role is is unsure of right now. So you know, do give him the benefit of the doubt in learning that. Uh, but but you are right. There are a lot of negative passes, and and I'll let you continue with the offense. I, I just I want us to understand that that he you know still barely if at all played last year, so he's almost like a new player. Yeah, and to that point, I think you know playing him as a ten is also a disservice. He should be playing as a, a second striker towards uh, alongside Campana. There's a lot of times where Coco would make runs like he's playing on the in the, the the front line like he was like like he was Lasseter or Campana. He needs to play as a forward, not as a withdrawn, you know, false nine almost, because that's how he what that's like how he was playing. You know, it just he doesn't look comfortable there. The passes were negative. He wasn't going forward. Even when he found space, he he, he didn't really do anything with the ball. So I think that's a disservice to Coco and he should play as a striker. To your Pizarro point, I agree. I think Pizarro like I know, I got flack from Austin a couple of pods back about how he, you know, Pizarro is, uh, will be coming off the bench, but you know, the first, you know, against Vasco now and, like and now against St. Louis, you know, he, yeah, yeah, but I think with Mata coming back and and Gre- and Gregory, I don't, I don't see Pizarro starting honestly. Like he, he, I know he's looked better in training and he seems motivated and he's happy to be back, but there are so many times during that St. Louis scrimmage where. He had the ball, and like you mentioned earlier about Lasseter using his space, uh, his pace, Lasseter would get in behind, and Pizarro inexplicably would just hold on to the ball for no reason and not play it through to Lasseter. And there were like one or two times where they would have been in behind had he had he done that, and he just didn't. And I understand, you know, he's a DP, and you know, you, you can't sit a DP on the bench, but Neville did it with Iguain until he got his act together, and it, it like. I'm not saying Pizarro has been training poorly, but I just don't think he fits the synergy of what the team is doing. And I know it just looks off. And like you mentioned with Coco, I think this group uh, with Mata, Gregory, like Pizarro wasn't there, you know, because obviously Pizarro wasn't there last season to gel with Mata, you know, much. And and Gregory, I think last season was the second season in Inter Miami. So he wasn't really there to really gel. Like, uh, you know, like for example, put Bryce Duke where Pizarro is playing. And I think they create more chances and probably score, honestly. Even with Coco playing as a ten, I think you know they'd score with Bryce Duke or or, or even uh, even Victor Ujoa playing there. Ujoa did play quite well during the scrimmage, in my opinion. But yeah, for Bizarro, he's just he's a great dribbler, and like maybe he can, maybe he should play as a ten, but not like as a creator, just kind of as a someone to hold the ball up there and and dribble through players. He's not gonna. Yeah, I don't know. It's just just wasn't clicking. The left hand side, yeah. The issue with Pizarro is is that in the system, in this system, it, it doesn't fit. In in the four two three one, yeah, the fits. balance is off. He, he fits fine in the four two three one, but in this four four two that they're playing, it right, the balance doesn't work. He he's pinching in too much, and and if you put him at the at the number ten, that's fine. But you're you're taking away somewhere else, and and yeah. You know, we can talk about Pozuelo here, too, because the two of them seem to be inherently linked to each other. You know, we were talking about uh, we were talking about with Phil earlier before the scrimmage earlier in the week last week. And, you know, he had said it's going to be tough and and that that they have cap room situations that they need to figure out. Um, And, you know, Pozuelo, if you follow him on Instagram, he's been training in in Miami. 
Um, he's still in here. Purple apartment. He's 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 <laughs> yeah, overlooking. He's riding his bike, looking down at and uh, you know everybody out on on Brickle. Um, so you know he's still here. He's still training, and and they have been in contact. Uh, you know they, they are they're close, but they're not. It, it's like is sort of the way that it works, and they're close to the fact that everybody sort of understands that everybody would love for this to work and everybody sort of understands that there's money that, that they, they, I don't think that they're necessarily terribly far off on. They're not close because that isn't going to work like just within the budget, within everything that they need to make this work. And so, you know, as preseason goes on and on, it, it, it winds up being a bigger question and a bigger question and a bigger question. So I, I don't know, you know, I think in a perfect world, if there if there was no salary cap and Jorge Mas or you know club ownership could spend as much as they wanted, this would have been done three four weeks ago. And if there were no sanctions, perhaps that too. But I, I think with everything, yeah, it would have been done. It, yeah I think with everything, it, it start not because nobody wants it to, but because you have to approach oh, this yeah. practically. And and Chris Henderson, we know is is a great cap manager. So if anybody's going to be able to figure this out. Uh, you know, Chris Henderson's one of the best in the game at this. Um, but but they are, you know, the, the longer preseason goes on, it's worth the question of is Pozuelo going to be in this roster or not? And if he's not, what does that mean for Pizarro? Is Pizarro, he's played as this left mid now twice that we've seen. And I just, I, I, you know, third time's a term maybe. I, I, I just, I don't, I'm not really getting where uh. we're going with. Yeah, Pizarro's just, he's a strange player. You know, he's not creative enough as a 10. He's not cerebral enough to play as a 10. He does not have the defensive uh, uh, might to to play as a, a central midfielder. He's just kind of in this this weird uh, no-man's land, really. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's very strange. And I know Neville's playing him there to see. But it, it's not working. Like you said, he pinches in, and sometimes he gets caught. He holds onto the ball too long, you know. It, it, yeah, it's in it, it. Like I don't, I don't know how much you know how much we journalists can can go on about it. It's it's unfortunate, and you know I'll say it here. You know, if Pizarro was sold or bought or bought out or whatever, Pozzello would have already been signed already. So it's that yeah, like you said, they're they're linked, and yeah, like Chris Henderson needs to figure it out because um, oh, we'll touch on this later. Stefanelli can play as a ten. You know, talking well, let's to talk people about it who, let's who talk about it now. And, and sources. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, but yeah, yeah. So I'll go on uh, sources and 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 talking to people who know him and listening to to experts on him. He can play as a ten. Multiple times I I've heard um people say that he likes to play off a a striker. You know, he'll be playing off two if he plays as a as that pivot role in the the four three one two. He'll play off a two striker. So he can do the job. And like the like you mentioned earlier during the scrimmage, he looked very good. You know, he was probably one of the standouts in the in that what third. Third, like third, thirty minutes or or forty minutes. I, I forgot how they divvied it up, but he looked solid and and you know he was he was loud. He was barking orders. He he, he looked like he belonged there. Um, he he was going back defensively. He, he he put put in a bunch of tackles. You know there are a couple moments where he literally took the ball from uh almost half field and drove to the defense, which is what Miami needed in the first half, and they didn't have that with Coco John. And he looks he looks the part. And and speaking with him. After the scrimmage, he he said he does like to play in that pocket, and he recognizes his, he recognizes uh what Campana, Lasseter, what their strengths are, and how he and even with Joseph Martinez uh, uh, coming in, 
how he has to recognize their strengths and play to their strengths. So if Pozuelo doesn't get re-signed, maybe he does, I don't know. Uh, but Stefanelli can, can play as that 10 if push comes to shove, you know, you know, um, yeah, he's a, a smart, a smart player and, and, and talking with people that, that know him, you know, he, 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 he can play there. Let's say he, he can play as a 10. He may not be as flashy as Pozuelo or may have the advanced stats like uh, Alejandro Pozuelo does, but you know, he can play that, that position. And, and I think he'll, he'll do a, a lot better job than what Coco Sean is doing right now. I, I really loved Stefanelli's play on Saturday. It, it was very, yeah. I mean, I, this is going to be high praise. And if he winds up being this Miami just hit a home run, but he reminded me a lot of Nico Ladero of, of the Sounders. Um, just, you know, an mm-hmm. undersized but Great punches, punches way above his weight. I mean, he was getting into 50, 50 balls that made it look like they were 70, 30 balls. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was very active, <laughs> very loud, very aggressive, came in with a purpose and an intensity Talked to him after the game, and he was talking about how he was watching Lassiter and Campana, knowing that knowing that he wasn't going to play with them in that game, but but trying to figure out what their tendencies were to figure out how he could in the future better distribute to them. A clear student of the game, uh, and a, and a guy who just really you can tell loves to play football. Uh, he he just loves to play mm-hmm. football, and that energy is is going to be. Is going to fit in very well with this squad. It is very much a Phil Neville type player um, that he wants, um, and and uh, you know he there is there should be uh, a, some excitement with him to see him possibly being a number ten. I, I I was a skeptic to start because you know from transferring over from the Swedish league, you know I don't really know. But the more you see of it, um, it, it like he's physical. He's he's a physical number ten. That, that is able to stick in and, and keep the ball, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't turn it over easily um, and, and just continues offensive promotion past times that, that, that should be happening, which, which is really, really exciting play from him. You know, he didn't get to, to play with the strikers um, on, on Saturday. I, I would be interested to see what that looks like whether it's Joseph or Lassiter, because I think that 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 will be, you know, an interesting tandem next to Campana to see how, how they're able to play with Stefanelli's hold-up play, Campana being the big target man, and what, and probably Joseph or Lassiter being the speed guy. You have really a natural trio there that hopefully will be better from the offense because right now it, it, it just doesn't look like there is um, that, 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 that there is cohesion in attack, that there is – Okay, we're we're gonna move out here. We're you know when when I go here, you chuck in behind. You're gonna make this run on the back end. It it doesn't really seem like it's there yet. It, it did seem a little bit better when Stefanelli was in there. He he had a I remember a, a one shot from range, twenty yards was just just past the keeper's post. Um, but it was a nice nice effort, one of the better ones of the night uh, that Inter Miami had. But but yeah, again, that cohesion on the offense is still what we're looking for, even when. Other guys came in. LaCava came in in that second half. Robbie Robinson came in and, and again, showed bright spots. Robbie Robinson, and both times we've seen him in this preseason, um, has shown to want to, be more of, yeah, want to be more of a one-on-one player. Um, he, he, he wants to take defenders on 1v1 uh, a little bit more this year. And, uh, you know, he, he got in. Uh, Escona got in and played very well, I thought, for about 20, 30 minutes as well. He picked up a bit of a knock in the end. Um, but but those were I think sort of those guys in that second unit um, 
are are battling and they're 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 battling for they're battling for minutes they're battling for pecking order in the depth chart and you know to go two games without any goals uh, you know that this is going to start becoming the theme if, if they can't start putting them in the back of the net yeah, and I'm, this is where I have to kind of push back against uh, Phil Neville here, and I don't—it's not to drag him or anything. I don't think he's the kind of coach to uh, a coach uh, a positional play like uh, you know, just kind of control every minute detail what the player's doing. You know, for example, um, you know, in the system, you know, usually there's passing patterns. You know, if the fullback gets here, uh, gets the ball here, then you have to you have to pass it here, and if the midfielder gets the ball here, then you have to pass it here. There, I don't think he's that kind of coach. I think he's kind of a, he has a set way of a set list of what he wants to do. Like, you know, play hard, run hard, um, you know, uh, defend your teammate. Um, and, and in regards to that, but I don't think in the minutia of the, the detailing and the triangulation, I don't think he's the type to really coach that. I'm sure like, of course they touch on it, but as far as, you know, like, you know, like a Bielsa type coach where he's going to, he want like, if you have the ball here, you have to pass it here. I think he's a coach that, you know, wants players to have their freedom to express and to make their own decisions, not do it for them. So I, I do think that's kind of a, a downside of this. But like I said, with, uh, in that piece we published in the Heron Outlet uh, Substack, um, this, this uh, formation they're doing, there are natural triangles and staggeration all over the field so you know the the options are easy for the players it's not like you know never has to tell them it you know the options will be open there so it's just a matter of the player and chemistry honestly i think it's just chemistry once the the triangulation is there and the staggeration is there with this formation they just need to get used to the chemistry and where these players are going to go so um and i think having a, a coach like darren powell uh which we've you know talked about and we've talked to him uh, was Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale CF uh, and uh, Inter Miami CF too. His teams were super attacking. Like they'll, sometimes they'll win games like five four and forget about the defense. So with Darren Powell on staff now, um, you know they'll have a, a bit of a more off, offensive minded coach. I'm not trying to shade Neville, implying that he's a defensive coach, but he'll have someone on his staff that will maybe take a little bit more risk or urge Neville to take a little bit more risk as far as the offensive. Uh, uh, play goes and and um yeah like I said earlier I don't think Neville's the type to to coach you know the little details I think it's you know he'll set the players up in the way and if they don't pass quick enough then you know he, he's gonna yell at them because you know he set them up in a way so they can make their own decisions and he doesn't need to tell them what to do so I, I think that's why this four three one two four four two diamond it, it'll work but I just think it takes repetition and chemistry and like I, I mentioned on my twitter that the more games that they have the more uh, chemistry that they'll build up because you know like that tail end of the 2022 season they they played in this formation so most of the players here Bryce Dew you know Campana Lasseter they're fine playing in this formation it's you know maybe the new guys like uh, Pizarro coming back and then you know we'll touch on uh, Sergei uh, Kristoff's too like it's going to take time and Franco Negri it's going to take time for them to to build that chemistry in this formation so yeah, um, that was a lot, but um, you know, I think it'll they'll they'll get it together. I think this formation is just so naturally, you know, it's just natural as a player. You know, like you'll find an open player. It's just a matter of making the decision to make that pass quickly, or or or, or checking it back to the center back and and finding the DM and and whatnot. So it'll take a while, but you know, the pa- passing patterns are there. The players just need to make that correct decision because I don't think Neville's going to teach it to them. You know they're professional players. They should know what to do at this point. 
Just a final bow on the scrimmage. Uh, again, a 4-0 defeat at the hands of St. Louis City SC. Those three of those four goals coming late in into the, the after the, the starters had gone out. It was just 1-0 uh, with a, a, a set piece from Indiana Vasilev uh, making his return to South Florida uh, in that. Uh, just from that first team too, just as, as we as we close up this converse, this portion of the conversation, you know, you have to remember they were without four starters, no Negri at left back. No Jean Mota, no Bryce Duke, no Joseph Martinez. Um, and, and so just understanding that. Oh, no Ryan Saylor as well. So so even five. Ryan Saylor, yeah. Um, so, so understanding still that this is a team that, that is getting together. And, and, and as much as a lot of the names are the same or are similar, uh, there are some pieces that have not been introduced to this that, that will take some, take some preseason games, take some training sessions. Uh, to get going. That being said, it's not the same as the the start of last year, where you had twenty in, twenty out, uh, as crazy as that was. You know, I, I mentioned in the yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, to that to that point, I was actually um, talking to a friend about how this um, off season compares to to um, not off season preseason compares to last year. Like last year, Miami won a, a preseason tournament, and and they're running into the season pretty high. So the, the Car- fact that, you Austin know, the, friendly- loves it. The, the Carolina challenge cup or something oh, yeah. it presented by Safeway or something like that. <laughs> it, you know, it's cr- this crazy tournament where, yeah, they won a preseason tournament and they were going into the season super high thinking, you know, everything's set and, you know, they've, they've got their formation going and then they lost five straight and they changed the formation and, you know, Neville was on the hot seat. So if, Let's let's say the preseasons have uh, switched, you know, this year. Like Miami can lose the rest of their preseason games if they, you know, God forbid they do that. But if they start the season super well, you know, it's going to be difficult. CF Montreal, then Philly, you know, I don't think people will, will care about uh, the preseason. So I uh, just wanted to, to throw that out there. Last preseason, they did pretty well, winning a tournament. This this year, they're they're they played three games and lost two. You know, it could be flipped at this point. So we never know. Inter-Miami does open their season with the top three teams in the Eastern Conference from 2022. They start at home with number two, Montreal, and then the Eastern Conference champions in Philadelphia Union come to Dry Pink Stadium before week three. They travel to Yankee Stadium to take on NYCFC. So pretty much in the Eastern Conference, that's a, as tough of a start to the year as you possibly could have. Let's let's talk about some of the moves that have been made that, that will go along the back line. Damian Lowe traded to Philadelphia Union for two, $225,000 in allocation money, a first-round draft pick in next year's Super Draft, and the homegrown rights to Schneider Borgelin. Um, let, let's start with the allocation money, or let's start with Damian. Um, you know, was make was on uh, we, we about two hundred fifty thousand dollars, so a, a little bit more than what they got in return for for him uh, in terms of Gam. Um, and you know, understanding that they wanted to make an upgrade at center back. When we had talked at the very end of last season, um, what I had been hearing was that was the number one place where they wanted to make an upgrade. And I was surprised that we had made it this long into preseason without. Uh, a, a, a big change, a big name coming in, which they do now seem to have um, in, in terms of the back line. McVeigh will most likely be that left center back. Um, and then it was going to be, is it Saylor? Is it Mabika? Is it someone on the move? Uh, I, I think that Damian Lowe was playing great. Listen, he's still on the right side of 30, which good for him because, you know, he's had such a long career um, to, to still be in, in his 20s is, is fantastic for him because he'll still have 
you know, some great years at, at Philadelphia or wherever he goes ahead of him. I think that there was there was a speed. Um, you know, they wanted to be a little quicker. They wanted to be a little bit more organized. Um, and, and they wanted, um, you know, a little bit more of a, a ball player in terms of the back line, someone who, who can not just win the ball but distribute quickly, especially with Drake, you know, not being the best distributor in the world. You need sort of your center backs to carry that load a little bit more uh, of distribution. So so Damian goes to Philadelphia. I, I think it's important to note that the um, the homegrown – uh, contract for Schneider Bortland is big because if he gets called up to the first team, he now is a, a homegrown player, won't count against the cap at all um, for his time mm-hmm. uh, w- after he signs his first year, first team contract. So let's say he gets called up next year and signs a three year deal, Schneider Bortland will not count against the cap until 2027. So that, that, that's a great piece of business there that, that will go a little under the radar in this. The first round draft pick, again, you know, we, we talk about how it's almost you and I were talking about it after the scrimmage that it's almost a, a bygone in MLS these days, but Inter Miami has had some, some good success with the, with their draft picks. You know, the one that really comes to mind is sailor and Mabika Robbie Robinson. However, you think that that project has gone or however you think that project will go, um, you know, it, it is up to you. Um, but, but I think that they, they have, have shown that they, can find value in the draft and getting a first round draft pick, um, you know, just gives them more of an opportunity and more of an asset possibly later if they need some allocation money to, to, to unload, to, to get some, some more allocation money there. Um, I, I do think 225 is too low for Damian Lowe. Um, and, and, you know, I, I told that to you the other day that, that, you know, mm-hmm. when guys nowadays, a baseline for a player of that quality is, is generally going for about 350, 400. Um, and, and so you package yeah. the other things in there and it makes sense that they're getting, uh, you know, less on their return. Uh, but, but you would have liked to see that number a little bit higher, especially under sanctions. It's not a bad deal by any stretch of the imagination, but it probably in my books goes as like a C plus B minus just simply because that number should be higher. Or if it's not higher, you have to get some incentives, some add-ons, things like that, that I, that I think, especially for a, a strapped team with the sanctions like Miami, that, that number winds up being more important for them than it is for other teams. Yeah, I agree. Not much to add on here for me, but um, yeah, they probably should have gotten a little bit more for, for Damien. I believe the, um, I can look up the transaction right now. I think it was, uh, two hundred thousand, maybe that they traded for, and plus two twenty five, plus uh, uh, Schneider Borgeland's uh, um, uh, homegrown right. So yeah, maybe they they perhaps could have. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe they. I don't know. Yeah, definitely could have gotten more. But I think you know, like you mentioned earlier, they want a ball playing center back, and Damian Lowe, his advanced stats as far as um, defending goes are super high. You know, he's in the. Uh, 90th percentile for a lot of things, you know, tackles, uh, aerial duels. He, he's a very good defender, very quick, um, you know, but there uh, is unfortunately a, a, a downside to that sometimes. Like, uh, you know, like you said, you know, sometimes you want to win the ball and move the ball quickly. But and looking at Damien's passing stats, you know, he's uh, all of his progressive passes, his passes attempted, pass completion rate, you know, it's it's low for a center back. So, um, what they're maybe losing in, in raw pace and, and physical ability with Damien with uh, um, Sergei Kristoff, which we will transition to, into now, they're they're getting a really solid ball-playing center back who maybe isn't 
as quick, but you know, Miami aren't looking to play like they were last season. They want a, a, someone who's going to progress the ball a bit more and, and be that leader at the back and, and, um, uh, and can win those aerial duels a lot more consistently. Um, looking at Lowe's aerial, his aerial duels one, you know, he's still, he's low in that too. So they're picking up a really good center back and uh, sort of get Christoph who, who basically picks, you know, everything Damian Lowe was bad at, he, Christoph is good at. So they're trading one sort of one center back for another. So, um, yeah, the money was a little bit low, but I think that they're so high on this uh, Christoph uh, player um, that I think they were willing to just ship Damien out, you know, because, you know, uh, Sergei's uh, assigning was imminent. So, Yeah, and, and so Christoph comes in, like you said, a, a big physical tall center back um, that comes in with a lot of ball distribution. Coming over from Shakhtar Donetsk, um, where, you know, they have all obviously had a um, – a, a, very trying, difficult season with with what's going on um, with with uh, you know everything in Ukraine right now. Um, so he has he's made eleven appearances um, so far in the season, uh, sort of as that third center back role for them, but but or second center back role for them. Um, but but definitely a talented player, um, one that will come in and probably expect to start right away. I, I think that um, you know you you heard Phil was very excited about this, so uh, you know he had his hand in, in, in the scout with, with this um, and wanting to come in and, and make an impact for a position that they desperately need to improve on from last year. I don't know if it is set in stone that he'll immediately start over Sailor or Mavika simply because you have to get used to a new league. There's a lot that goes into this. Yeah. Um, but, but I would expect, you know, by mid-year, this guy is, is starting. Um, he comes in. You know, if, if you watch, I know it's it's not the sexiest at times, but if you watch uh, some of these European leagues, um, and and you've seen Shakhtar, who are are one of the better of of the Eastern European uh, sides, they they don't give up a lot of goals, and and they are a very no. tough team. They are a very aggressive team. Uh, they 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 win like like we had talked about. They win the ball and immediately look to push. It, it, it is it is no wasted motion. It is right off the bat. And I think that this fits very well into what uh, they're trying to do along that back line. Yeah, and I think he'll be very good. You know, I, I've been talking with a couple of people who, who uh, watched him and, and um, working on a scouting report for the Heron Outlook Substack. He's very good. And I know um, people say, well, you know, I've never heard of him or he's playing in the Ukrainian league. and you know, you know, you know, therefore he's not good, but that's not true. It's, it fits Chris Henderson's MO. You know, he, uh, if you guys uh, recall, like during Chris Henderson's uh, introductory press conference, like in, in early 2021, he mentioned that he wants players that play above what they acquire them for. So for example, John Motz, I believe his transfer fee was like 900,000 or correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you know, John Motz is playing better than what you would think you get for a nine hundred thousand dollar player, I I would think in my opinion. So basically Chris Henderson wants players that play above what their price range or what they required for. So so all these guys like Stefanelli, Negri, who are, are are brought in on sort of low transfer fees. They're not DP level players. And even the DPs like the acquisition of Pozuelo now Martinez, they're they're being smart with how they acquire players. So they're not gonna throw money at you know uh you know free agent uh big time players in Europe because you know you know their names and they're good. No, they're going to get guys like Kristoff and, and you know, acquire guys like Ariel Lasseter or, or Stefanelli or, 
a smartly get Yedlin on the uh, now what is uh, defunct uh, the allocation list. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but um, like I said, as soon as that scouting report comes out, I feel like a lot of people will settle down and get behind this signing, you know, talking with people, you know, he's a leader, you know, he's, he's great in the air, very good ball playing center back, which Miami haven't had, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you think Miami have had, you know, ball playing center backs like this, like consistently? LGP. Never, maybe LGP, but LGP maybe, but, you know, a guy like Kristoff, uh, I'm, yeah, he, I feel like he's going to be very good. And I know people are tempted to say, oh, this is similar to like a Ryan Shawcross signing. Uh, no, 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 no. Like, not like these are like, it's completely different. Like, Shawcross came over when he was like 33, kind of at the tail end. You know, well, he wasn't even starting for Stoke consistently. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But with Christoph, he, you know, Champions League player, he's playing for Shakhtar, which is one of the biggest clubs in Ukraine. You know, he, you know, he's a leader, well, he's captained them for. But they're very different players. Yeah. Shawcross and Kristoff are very different players, and the fact that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I, I wouldn't make that comparison. That doesn't. That doesn't really. I mean, yeah. other than the fact that they're, you know, just European guys. Like, that's really the only connection that, and they play yeah. the same position. That, that there isn't really a, a, a quality connection there. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, people that are comparing this to Shawcross, it's it's not the same. Not remotely the same. So, yeah, it's just. Be excited because I think with Kristoff and once he gets settled and maybe he, he, he plays alongside Christopher McVeigh, who looking at his advanced stats now, he, he's decent in the progressive passes. And, you know, Chris is, you know, relatively quick as well. And he's very technical. You know, I think they're going to be a very strong center back pairing once they really get going. Then you add in Negri or, or Noah Allen and, and then and then Yedlin on the other side, or maybe sometimes Harvey Neville. Although we've seen Harvey Neville play on the left side as a, as a left back. Yeah, a lot, so yeah, I don't know. We have to ask Phil about that, but. Let's talk yeah, about yeah, that because yeah. he's been. He, that's I. I you okay. know, you brought it up, and we, and we were talking about it, I, and we didn't have plans to talk about this today. But he's been on the left, and, and it's just it. I don't know. It, it's been, it hasn't been bad, but it, it's been interesting. He he doesn't. No, no. He he he's getting up the field. I, I just we never saw him play on the left for for Inter two. So just to see him out there is was it's it's a little bizarre. <laughs> Yeah. Um. On another note, I'm 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 laughing because I'm I'm scrolling through Instagram right now, and Beckham just inadvertently announced a new away kit, even though it hasn't been officially announced. Oh, cool. <laughs> so he just yeah. Break yeah, the news. It looks nice. Breaking news even, right here while we're on. While we're breaking recording. news right mid talk. <laughs> Is it good? Yeah, but it's a deeper pink, and it's almost yeah, it's almost neon. Like we'll we'll put up on the hair and outlet Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, it's a, it's a neon pink, and it looks super. Yeah, super nice. Honestly, it, that, that was that was, the, yeah, that was the word on the street. The word on the street was that it was going to be a bolder pink. It was going to pop more. It wasn't going to be the the light pink like last year. It was going to be uh, like more of a hot pink. In what and we that's used. good because um, I was uh, in a, a group chat and we were discussing how like the pink has gotten progressively pinker <laughs> as the, <laughs> as the club has grown. Like that first season was like that kind of awful whitewash pink that no one yeah. liked. <laughs> And then the second season, well, it was like this, like still like a paleish pink, but it was deeper. And then last season, you see the the, the warm up jerseys, like they're a deeper pink. And now looking at this now, it's it's a neon pink, and it's it's deeper. And and now um next year they're getting a new home kit, so I'm intrigued to see how how they go about that. So anyway, we digress. But um yeah, Neville playing we, on that left hand side. I think it's the what color yeah, is the away kit portion of the preseason, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know Beckham just 
It's just they should just announce it. Like it's funny at this point. There there have been leaks, and I don't know what's stopping them. And we anyway, still got we, three we got and a half track. three and a half yeah. weeks to go until we kick off a ball that matters. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, never a dull day with Inter Miami. Honestly, there you go. Well, they oh, they will head up to yeah. the west coast of Florida and and train up there for a couple days this week. We'll we'll bring you all the latest news as it happens. Uh, and, and again, you can check out the Heron Outlet on our Substack. We break down uh, the preseason games, a bunch of stories coming your way on uh, on, on what has been an interesting off season or a preseason to to start, uh, but but not you know not one of a lot of drama. You look around the league, and you know just think this time last year, Miami was was the center of the drama between the sanctions, between all the new players. They were basically a brand new expansion team coming in this time last year. And you look around the league at a lot of uh, other teams that are uh, being much more aggressive, but I would say a little bit more panicky than Inter-Miami has had to be. They are, they are making very, very cerebral little moves here and there that, you know, if you look at it in totality, you're probably going to have three, four new starters without having to make a big splash in their offseason and in their preseason. Uh, it, it has been a sort of a slow burn as they get ready for February 25th. Don't forget this upcoming week um, is when you can start uh, if you are interested in the Apple MLS season pass deal. Beginning in February, you can now uh, purchase that option uh, to get all of the MLS matches this year. Remember, all on Apple TV, that package uh, being available beginning in February uh, with just a couple weeks ago until preseason. Make sure you follow the Heron Outlet uh, on our Twitter, on our Instagram. Subscribe to our brand new Substack channel, our Substack site, uh, and and the YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, rate, review. We love all of our YouTube subscriptions as well. Comment on it. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll we'll you know if we get some good ones, we'll bring it on to the show a couple of times. All right, Alex. For our producer Andres and for Austin Roblard, she is Alex Winley. I am Ian Hess. This has been the Heron Outlet. We'll see you back here 